church. Good morning. Good to see everybody on every single campus welcoming you online and all 14 campuses that we're in. Anderson, you've already done this once, but can you help me welcome all of our other campuses that are now joining us? We're grateful for you wherever you're found today. What's going on down on the coast, right in the middle of the state and right here in the upstate as well? We're pumped about it. I don't have a lot of time. We've got a lot of things to cover, as you see behind me on the board. So I'm going to jump right in. If you're ready for that, I want to invite you to go ahead and open up your apps. The New Spring app has all of these notes preloaded. So I want to go ahead and let you know that if you've got it on your phone, right now is the time to click it in. We've got the notes. If you don't have the app already on your phone, now's a good chance to go ahead and head to the App Store. We've got Wi-Fi in our campuses, so you can download the app. And so you can get these notes preloaded. Here's why I'm telling you this. This conversation we're about to have today is going to be so helpful. And you're going to want to refer back to it when you sit down and talk with your kids, when you sit with a coworker and this conversation comes up and you're going to go, I remember a sermon about this. It's going to help you 10 years down the road. Today is one of those days. So if you have not made the jump to like keeping up with notes, today is a good day to do it. Download the New Spring app. You can find it in your app store. The notes are preloaded. You can take notes and you can email it to yourself so they will live forever in the digital space. In addition to that, I want to celebrate the fact that we have had over 18,000 people reading the Bible together this year. That's a big deal. We're pumped about it. And if you have wanted to do something like this with folks, we, we've got the opportunity. You can literally, with your phone, text, read my Bible to that new spring number, 30303. Tomorrow morning, we'll send you a reminder. As you get up, get, get your day going on Monday morning, Here's the scriptures. We've been blowing through the book of Numbers. It's been awesome. This morning's reading was incredible. We're also in the Gospel of Mark. Also a great, incredible message about the sower this morning. If you want to read along with us, and if you do this with us for 365 days, you will read through the Bible in a year. So it's incredible. I hope you'll take advantage of that. All right, so last week, if you're jumping in with us, we started this journey of, of really getting around this series called We Believe. And uh, last week, I, I, again, it's one of the messages you need to go back and rewatch if you've not, but I want to try to catch you up uh, in our world today, and this is, this is not going to come as a surprise if you're just jumping in in the middle of this sermon series. In our world today, no one knows who to trust. In our world today, we don't know which articles are real and which articles have been manipulated, cloak and dagger, to get us to vote a certain way, to get us to buy a certain product to get us to think a certain way in the echo chamber that is our social media spaces. You notice this about your social media? Everybody on social media thinks exactly like you do. And that's because social media analytics knows this. They want everybody to, around you to be talking about the same thing you're talking about so that you think that the whole world thinks like you, gets mad at the same stuff you get mad at, and, and ultimately does and everything, buys what you buy, votes who you vote for. And that's why people are so disgruntled when they meet someone from the opposite worldview, whether it's politically or whether it's with the idea of vaccination or the idea of masks or the idea of anything right now, liberty or worldview. It's, it's crazy because social media has shaped it this way. So the problem is we don't know if what's going on in our world is a big power play, is a cloak and dagger. And, and, and now you're at church and now you're hearing someone with a microphone attached to their face tell you that there are true things. And last week we dealt with all of that and we put three belief statements in front of you, and, and I want to make sure I reiterate them today. So if you want to rewrite these down, you can. The three things we said last week is, number one, we believe in absolute truth. We believe in it. It's not a relative truth. It's not a, just a perspective in it. Uh, truth does not come in, from inside of you. Truth is a fixed point outside of you 
that you were born into. There was a bunch of givens that were already at true and transcendent. They don't, they don't need a vote to be true. They don't, they don't change because of the weather. They're absolute truths that are out there. Now, can we find them? Yes, we can. We can find them in the person of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So Jesus is the person of truth. We believe that. That's what the church confessionally is for 2,000 years, that Jesus is the absolute truth. And then third and finally, we believe that Jesus has given us the Bible as the source of absolute truth. On, on all of the walls of our campuses and on our website, one of the Family values, the core values that this church is about is we believe in the promises of Scripture. We believe every single one of these words, whereas Paul writes to Timothy, were breathed by God, that they're infallible, that you can build your life on them, that you can trust them, that if you put them to the test, you will see they will constantly and consistently not fail you. I will go so far as to say, if you would build your life on the words of God, you can go through anything. Your family can go through anything. Your marriage can go through anything. And this church is a testimony of hundreds and even thousands that have taken the Lord up on that promise. And so every generation has to answer the question, will our generation be the generation that looks at the scriptures and, and tries to shape the scriptures to our desires? Or will we be a generation that lets the scriptures look at us and shape us the way it desires? That's the question that's on the table as we talk about this series. And you will be blown away if you allow the Lord who loves you, who created you, who designed you to shape your life, to shape your career, to shape your marriage, to shape the way you raise your kids, to shape the way you interact in this world. You will be blown away if you let these scriptures offend you in a, in a kind, surgical way that causes you to shift and change your life. That's what we talked about last week. We featured a passage from 1 Timothy 3 that I want us to be reminded of today, this morning. 1 Timothy passage uh, in chapter 3, verse 14 says this. It says, I hope, Paul writes to Timothy, a young pastor in a young church in Ephesus, I hope to come to you soon, Paul writes, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave. You want to know how to behave? He's about to tell us. Here's how we should behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. Leave that there for just a moment. So what, what he's saying is that the church, our job is to hold the truth up in a world of confusion. We're called to hold the truth up. That if the church, you and I do our job, the world in a foggy and nebulous confusion, lost and blind, looking for truth, they should find it at the church. They should find it in the people of God. They should find it as they look at your life. They should find it as they see how you operate in your school or see how you live students on the college campus. They should find it because you and I are called to hold up the truth. This series is about helping you and I know what the truth is that we might hold it up. Now, Paul would write just a little bit further in this same letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. He's gonna say these words to Timothy in 4. Go ahead, thank you. He says, watch your life, Timothy. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. That means just remain in them. Fight for them. Why? Because if you do, you'll save both yourselves and your hearers. Timothy was a preacher like I'm preaching today. And it was important for him not to just say it one time. It was important for him to remain and persevere. And I want to just point out, look up at the top again. He says, I want you to watch your life and doctrine closely. 
Can I just say there's a lot of people historically that have had right thoughts but have not had right living to go with it? And one of the jobs of a Christian isn't just to have godly thoughts and be right up here, but it's to actually put on display godly living. Watch your life and doctrine closely. And that's what today is going to be about. It's going to be about helping you and I step into what does it look like to watch our life and our doctrine closely. Now, I know we use that word doctrine, and you might be going, whoa, this is going to be a bore. It's not a bore. And I'm going to try to do my best today to make this incredibly practical because here's what I want you to get. Doctrine is supposed to impact your living in such a way that it is life-giving. You hear us say this all the time. New Spring is a life-giving church marked by the presence of God, activating us to impact others. But doctrine is not supposed to be just some kind of old books on shelves. It's supposed to be practical. It's supposed to have handles that impact your life. And if you will trust the doctrine in the scriptures, you will see your life flourish. You will feel it in your life. Now, in order to get this, I need you to know, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to write down the note, Christianity is a team sport. Christianity is a team sport. Now, I know you're thinking, what do you mean Christianity is a team sport? Well done, Joseph. Good job, brother. You were ready for that. All right. All right. Well, what I mean is this, and I'm going to try to use this illustration, okay? Christianity, when it comes to the life of a Christ follower, it's not meant to be lived in isolation in your brain. It's meant to help you walk in relationship with God and relationship with others, and good doctrine is the same. Now, how many of you on a campus grew up playing basketball? Show of hands. Basketball. All right, all right. Me too. I love basketball. As a matter of fact, it was my favorite sport. Still is. Now, it hurts. We played like for two and a half hours the other Monday night, and I'm still sore from it. But when you play basketball, you learn all of these things. Now, I don't know if you remember all these things, but you know, you learn how to dribble, and you learn how to do this, and you learn how to cross over and do this, and you learn all these crazy drills. Like, we, I was a point guard, so we, we learned all these crazy drills, and I would go home and work on these at night in my driveway and, and work on them all the time. I mean, still, I don't ever dribble anymore, but I can still do this because of drills I did 30 years ago. I mean, seriously. Like, they did this drill called the spider drill. I don't know if any of you guys saw that right there. All right, and then, and then there was all these fun drills like this. Here's one. You ready for this one? I can't tell you how many hours, y'all, I did this all the time, doing this right here, changing fingers. I mean, it was just, it was crazy, okay? I mean, I mean, we do this all the time. I, I mean, my mom's sitting over here. She can tell you, Dad, too, don't play ball in the house. I mean, but all the time, I was working on this all the time, right? But here's the, here's the bottom line. You don't really know in basketball what works until you get in the game. And then you see there's certain things that translate to the game. And there's other things like this that mean absolutely nothing. What we want to do today is show you that there's doctrine. And these doctrines are meant to translate into life in a way that is incredibly practical and helpful. So you can get W's in life, if you will. But if you're going to understand this, you've got to understand it's not meant to be an isolated deal. It's meant to be a team sport. Christianity is a team sport. So with that in mind, I'm not preaching this one by myself today. I'm going to bring out a teammate, somebody the Anderson campus might know, and I'm going to introduce you to you guys. This is my good friend, Pastor Trevor Cox. Come on, Trev. Yeah. Oh, coming at you, Joe. All right. Trev, welcome, hey, man. Man, hey, so you, A fan this favorite here. Right? So, Trev, I know you love doctrine. You and I have had rich conversations yeah, about the Word yeah. of God for a long, long time. Yes. So why, why do you love it, man? Well, I tell you, I got excited about doctrine early on. I got convinced as a young man 
that the words of the Bible are God's words. Yes. And if, if that's true, then it's infinitely rich, it's infinitely deep, it's infinitely powerful. And, you know, as I, as I got into that, I started realizing that God had given me a passion to help people understand God's word. I, I wanted to teach some Bible studies. I got involved even at New Spring and teaching a John Bible study yep. uh, on the Gospel of John. And the more that I got into that, the more people asked questions, the more questions that I had, I just kind of dove, dove in there. Yeah, man. And, and got more and more out of that. And I began to realize, you know, that... This idea of doctrine, you know, you think about a person's success as a Christian. I felt like my calling was to help people be successful in their walk with Christ. And that success has to do with what they do with prayer and largely what you do with the Bible. The Word of God. That's right, the Word of God. And so I, as I got in there, I realized that it was absolutely essential to dive down and dig deep. And, um, you know, I think about this, <clears throat> this quote from a book that I love. Uh, How Now Shall We Live is the name of the book by this theologian named Francis Schaeffer, who's massive. I think you mentioned him last yeah, week. Two weeks in a row, Francis yep, Schaeffer's yep. making an appearance but at New Spring. He, he uses this illustration where he talks about these Roman bridges that were built, you know, centuries and centuries ago all throughout Europe. There's, there are these little humpback bridges, and they're made for foot traffic, for yeah. cart traffic. Nobody is driving a two, three, four-ton car over that. No 18-wheelers um, making no, it over no, that bridge. Because it just wasn't built for that. Right. And in there, he says, we need a life. We need a foundation that will meet the demands of our reality. Okay, say that slowly again. Yeah, we need a life. We need a foundation that will meet the demands of the reality, the weight that is put on us. And y'all, if, if you haven't experienced this yet, weight is coming. Yes, life's right? coming at us. Life's coming at you. Uh, sickness is coming at you. Death is coming at you. You've got, and, and not just that, success is coming at you. Yes. And you've got to be able to handle that. The Bible says in Hebrews that everything is going to be shaken so that only the unshakable things might remain, remain right? Yeah. And the truth of God, that is what's going to remain. And so that's why I'm passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, I love that you're, you're passionate about it. But so here's the, here's the practical application. We want to point out the things in life that are meant to hold us up that's when right. tough stuff comes, when valleys of the shadow of death come, when success comes. That's right. These things are not just words on the, on the board or words in the Bible. These are actual ideas that are that's meant right. to help us in those days when the wind that's and right. the floods and the rain and the wind of and, life come. And that's exactly why we're, we're making this the year of the Bible. We're talking about read, 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 because the first thing you've got to do is you've got to read it, read it, read it. To yes, understand dig it, in. you've got to dig in. One of, the, one of the things that you can do is really zoom into Scripture and zoom out. We talk about that a lot as we talk about how to get into God's Word and really mine out your beliefs. You need to get in there and Focus understand the words, the sentences, the yep. passage, but you also have got to get out there and see, see the, the big, big picture. Yeah, so and it, next week. Okay, so let me just point this out. Next week, I wanted to say this out loud. You need to put it on your calendar. Absolutely. You need to be here early. Um, don't, don't be like two and a half songs in when you show yep. up because we're starting from go next week. It's going to be one of the most creative things we've ever done. Right. Trying to help us zoom out zoom and out. see the big picture. We're going to preach all 66 books next week. Really, we're sermon. starting at Genesis 1-1. We're ending at the, at the maps. Okay, so, all right. So excited. make sure you're here early next week. Zoom in, yeah. zoom out. That's yeah. something that will help us understand. And the other thing that's so key is understanding that all convictions in life are not equal. Truth is truth. But all convictions are not equal, Brad. Okay, so we've got this word right here, Trev, this word of God. And I mean, we believe it's all, every part of it is God-breathed. But what right. we've got to do now is try to prioritize it. Yeah, and as you dig in there, you've got to mine out what you believe. 
as you're reading through Leviticus, as you're reading through Numbers, like what is it? Is, is this important? Is this, how important is that? Yeah, how the relevant rules of Leviticus, should they be higher priority than the great right. commandment of Jesus? Love the Lord your right. God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. We're going we're gonna to talk right. about that today right. so we know how to prioritize them. Exactly. Yeah. Those categories, we're going to call them categories of belief. That yeah. Some categories of belief, belief are uber important that we're going to build our foundation. We're going to dig down deep in there. Those are the things that are going to hold us up. While other beliefs, we, we realize they're, they're not hills to die on. Right. Well, and it feels like right now, so many people are dying on a thousand hills. They're making everything absolute. Yeah, have you guys felt this? In the world today, it feels like everybody is trying to die on a thousand hills, and you don't have to be one of them. Right. But there are certain things that you should care deeply about, passionately about, and even, yes, right. be willing to give your life for if it stands to that. That's absolutely true. All right, so, and then number four? As, uh, well, we're going to go stay there. Right yeah. Uh, the idea of, uh, of, of settling the credibility and the authority of the Bible, which you talked about last week, yes. which is so massive. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, um, I'm pumped about this. I think this is going to be really helpful. Are you ready to jump in? Let's do it. Let's, All right. Let's you ready, Anderson? You need to cheer us on here on this. Okay. Yeah. All right, Trev. So we got this big target. If right. people are listening on the podcast, they, they need to go watch this We've one. We've got a huge target huge illustration. with concentric circles. And right in the middle, we're going to stick absolutes. All right. Boom. Here it comes. Bam. So now, right absolutes, what we're talking about with absolutes, these are the foundational, the, the, the foundational identity of Christianity. And Brad, these, are, these traditionally are beliefs people have been willing to bleed over. So you'll see on the screen up there, written in blood. So these are the things that you should, yes, be willing to gun to your head, say, I believe. Right. These are the things that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, sorry, Nebuchadnezzar, willing to bleed over this. That's right. They matter that much. I think, th I think about these like light switch beliefs. Okay. It's either on or off, okay. right? You either believe it or not. Now, here's the thing. We're going to put some things in this category of absolutes, and you, you're looking at it going, man, I don't understand everything that's there. It's not the uh, lack of understanding or even ignorance of the things that are in here. It's the rejection of this that would put you in the category of cult or heretic. Okay, right. So I don't have to understand fully everything here. And you're not going to understand fully because everything. Because there's so much here. But right. we do need to understand that to reject something that should belong right. here, that, that comes along with, with some pretty serious consequences. Pretty, pretty serious stuff. Okay. And uh, we've just got to make sure. And, and here's the thing. There's so much richness here. And a lot of times we spend lots of energy and effort on the fringes when the real beauty of Christianity is right here in the middle. All right. Very good, Trev. I like that. So we'll yep. talk about absolutes. What else? Well, uh, in this next concentric circle, we have convictions. Okay. Now, traditionally, these have been the, the, the issues that uh, ch over church history, people have been willing to unite over and in some cases divide over okay. because they weren't able to, to fellowship in unity together. So these, these con, uh, the convictions, I would say, I would describe them more like uh, a tug of war yes. where you have polar opinions. A big spectrum. Yep, maybe, maybe it's something like how, how to talk about the Holy Spirit or something. And you have one group way over here and one group way over here and a lot of spectrum in the middle of belief. And then through your time as a Christ follower, you might actually move on this. Shift a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you might start here because of upbringing or because of denominational. That's right. Up, but you're going to shift as you begin to get around the Word of God. Right, so. and, and, and you think about the idea here of denominations. This is where denominations really are formed. When you think about absolutes, every Christian, the way we're defining the word absolute, every Christian, Throughout all history. Confessional history is going to agree with this. Now, here is where Christians are going to disagree quite a bit. Great. And you know I mean, we do know how to disagree. 
We can be agreeable. <laughs> All, yeah. right. Cool. All right. And then this final, finally is opinions. Now, the way that we're divided, uh, defining these words, you can argue about the definition of these words, but the way that we're defining these words, opinions are things that you can't possibly know the answer to. Okay. All right. And when you start thinking about um, whether it's a conviction or opinion, there might be a little bleed over here. Like sure. one issue might fall a little bit in conviction and one is, and the same issue might fall in opinion as well. But this would be things like how many you know, angels can be on, dance on the end of a pin. And that Which is a real theological question that back in the day, theologians people, tried, people to, tried figure to figure out. Isn't that crazy? Well, and it helped them absolutely none. Zero. Right? Okay. So the real question it didn't is, translate to basketball game. No, no exactly. Okay, so we're trying to translate. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the next bit is how do I tell the difference? Okay. So on this board right here, we've got a lot of things. We're going to try to get to some of them today. We've got everything from the sovereignty of God to women in ministry to dinosaurs to alcohol to church leadership structure, inerrancy of scripture, the virgin birth of right. Jesus. All and of these it. are just a bunch. So, but, yep. but we've got people, real people that are reading the Bible trip. That's right. Navigating life in 2021. How do you, how do you get here? And I, and I'm, I just say that you know, as you think about where to place this thing, if this is the hill to die on, and, and these are convictions, these are opinions, how do I know which hill, which, you know, ring to put this in? And we've come up with four questions, really, we didn't come up with it, but, but it's really a good way of understanding how to navigate through this. So there are four ways. Now, the first way is this idea of clarity, frequency, and, and weight or focus of Scripture. So you've got that uh, up on the board there if you want to write that down. But the idea there with clarity is we're taking parts of Scripture we understand really clearly, helping to explain parts that we don't understand. Frequency, how many times does it show up in the Bible? And then weight is, is this an issue that seems so important that other things are pointing to it? Great. Or is it like the doctrine of angels is an example the doctrine of angels, however important that is, people get all excited about angels, but the reality is when you see an angel show up, it's pointing to another part of the narrative. It's pointing to something else. Incredible. So that's the first that's question the first we want to make sure. So uh, I love that. So let's just say aliens show up in 10 years, right. and we're going to decide where do aliens go in the scripture? Well, you're going to take this first question, right. and you're going to say, you know, gonna... where is it in scripture? Do okay. I see any verses that affirm this? Do I see any verses that reject this? I'm yeah. going to be looking through the scripture that way. The uh, second way or the second filter to think about where these these doctrines fit is how it relates to the character of God. Great. So you're thinking about his here, attributes. That's right. His his uh, uh, his all powerfulness, his all knowing, he's, un he's unchanging, all that sort of thing. The third filter that you're going to put this this doctrine through filter is uh, how this relates to the doctrine of salvation or the gospel. Because that is the story of Scripture, is right. God saving people, getting us back to relationships, so does it impact that? That's exactly okay. right. And so how it relates to the gospel. And then fourth, and this is so key, is how has this been dealt with through church history? I you know, church this. history has not always got everything right. But they've gotten a lot right. They've gotten a lot right, and we can look at 2,000 years of people and see how has this impacted and been dealt with? Yeah, one of the things history. that's always popular that we want to point out here, C.S. Lewis talked about this idea of chronological snobbery, wow. which I know is a big word, but all that means is we have the tendency to think when we're alive, we're the smartest people that have ever lived. That's right. Because we're more technologically advanced, we're, mm -hmm. we're in 2021, and so all those people, you know, 100 years ago were carrying like caveman sticks yep. and were dummies. That's right. But the bottom line is that's not true. That's right. And as you look back over history, uh, there's some really incredible things that have happened in the church. While they have had some things not right, 
the majority of what they've got is right, right. on. And, lots and it's of been the, tested over yes, time. Yes, it's been tested. Right. So there's a reason that church history says what it says, and we can trust it most of the time, right. and we need to look and use that as a filter. It's so, so incredible. You know, we're going to be talking very quickly about doctrines that the church wrestled with for 500 years yeah. before they put it in the middle, yes. right? And so these tested things, we can trust them. Okay, so are we ready to start? Let's we do got it. it. Let's right. do a couple so of them. Let's all get right. something right in the middle. Let's go, Trev. You got a good right. one on your how side? About, okay, okay, okay. How about Trinity? Yeah, let's I start with the easy one. That one, that one is easy. Mysterious and easy. Did you see how Brad... I know my OC, right I, somebody thanked, I, somebody I, out there I saw that. also that I slid Come on, y'all, so come on. I'm trying to make sure <laughs> that this is, okay, I can't, I, it's firstborn, I can't help it. Okay, Trent, right. tell us about the Trinity, man. Here's the thing, the, the doctrine of the Trinity, I, I like, to, when I talk about this, I like to talk about it like grandma's furniture. Yeah. It, you know, how many of you had a grandma that had plastic on her furniture? Did y'all have Remember that? Remember this? There was a room you couldn't go into? Man, or plastic on the lampshades or yeah. whatever. Uh, this doctrine is left untouched by many people because it's, it seems a little heady, it seems intimidating. But man, there's beauty, there's wisdom and truth in this doctrine. We got, we got to take, take the, the plastic off and sit on the that's couch. That's right. Man. This that's one's exactly important. exactly right. Yeah. You know, you start thinking about why that's important. The Trinity, the idea that God is one in essence, three in person, that is unique to Christianity. So it becomes kind of a litmus test of Christian faithfulness and orthodoxy. So you can take the doctrine of the Trinity, hold it up against some other faith systems and say, oh, that, that's not going to work. That's not... That's not, that's a cult or whatever. Another thing about the doctrine of the Trinity, you know, in, in Genesis 1.26, Brad, it yeah. says that we're created in, in the, image, in of the God. image of God. So for us to know who we are, we've got to know a little bit about the doctrine of the Trinity. And then, you know, all really, all Christian doctrine is going to flow from God. Yes. So for us to understand the diversity and the unity of race or marriage or whatever, you know, even the idea of prayer and communication, the idea that that God didn't need man to love. He didn't right. create man that in order to love. That sets us apart from other world he was religions. Loving, he was loving before he created man, so he doesn't need us. Right. God the Father loves God the Son, loves God the Spirit, and they have love, and so man is not bringing them to completion, right. but is rather an outflowing of the character of God. That's so good. And yeah. think about this. I think about this. If God doesn't need us, why does it... It opens up this idea that he would want us. Yes. And it's such an amazing, amazing doctrine. You've got to rip the plastic off the furniture and get to that. Come on, let's sit so, on that couch. Oh, I'm telling you what, so <laughs> much there. Please go there. Okay, all right. All right, all right no, we turn. can put two or three really quick up here. We don't want to, okay. well, you know. Inside of the Trinity, anything that has to do with Jesus, we, right. sh we should be right, right there. So I've got to look. I've got, I've got Jesus is the bodily only. resurrection right, of Jesus. Jesus is the only way of God. Here's There's the thing about Jesus being the only way of God. Obviously, John 14, 6 says that. Uh, you know, uh, Acts 4.12 is, yeah. is big with By that. By one name we shall be right. saved. Right? When you begin looking at the idea of the exclusivity of Christianity, everybody gets bent out of shape about that. But let me just tell you this. Every faith system, even if you don't have a faith, you think you don't have a faith system, every one of them is exclusive. All right. I just want to go ahead and let everybody know what Trevor is about to say is right down a <laughs> so Trev, so I hope I don't mess it up. Brad. No, you're not. You're gonna you're gonna smoke this. <laughs> well, here here's every the faith thing. system is exclusive. Every, so so what you've got to decide is which faith system leads to the most inclusive way of living. Wow. And we have a Christ who says, "Come on, I'm coming right? after the least, the last, the lost." Right. He's saying everybody, male, female, you know, race, nationality, everybody, come to me. So it is exclusive. And then he's saying everybody's got to come through Jesus to get to God, but. It's Everybody the most is inclusive. Welcome. That's right. right. So that's, that is so important. Every faith system is 
exclusive, but we're looking for the one as we evaluate them all that is the most inclusive of folks. That's right. Awesome. And we've got a bunch up here that we don't have time to get, but get to, but here's the thing that you got to know when you're talking about the identity of Jesus, that's going to be right in the center. And that's why knowing Christ, that is the thing. You got to, you know, his deity, his humanity, the virgin birth of Jesus, all this absolutely essential. Wow. Very so, cool. We let's, got absolutes. We got, but we listen. We've only got like ten minutes left, and we got so some more things to talk about. Let's okay. give an example of convictions. You can put maybe the communion one. Here's communion, a baptism yeah. one. Now, uh, traditionally, over you know church history, people have been willing to unite over the method and means of baptism, and also communion. You've got also some folks who have divided. You know, you have Calvin. Uh, that's the kind of the father of Presbyterian folks. You have Luther, um, who Lutheranism and that kind of thing. So. Uh, the idea here is big rifts have happened in church history over this. Now, what you're doing, though, is you're taking those that filter, the four-filter thing, and you're looking, okay, what's the clarity, the frequency, the weight? How does this interact with the doctrine of salvation? So you get a, you get a verse like Acts 2.38, I think it is, that says, uh, be baptized for the remission of sin. You're looking at that going, okay, repent, be baptized. Does that mean I need to be baptized to In be order saved? To, yes, right. And some people have said that means that I need to be baptized to, to be, be saved, regenerated yeah. or saved. But then and what do you do with the, the, the guy on the cross that's a thief? He that's didn't get right. off the, the cross and so die, but looking, he said he's going to heaven. That's right. So you're looking at how this thing interacts with the doctrine of salvation right. and realizing, oh, okay, all right, this isn't about being saved. This is about after I'm saved, Obedience, obedience moving forward. Right, right. and so Beautiful. you have a whole, you know, a lot about infant baptism here. You have a lot, just lots of stuff. Versus what, believer's baptism, Right, and so what we're going to do is look at Scripture and say, as we get into this and we go through this filter, we're going to see baptisms by immersion after salvation. That's the frequency, the clarity, and the weight of Scripture, and that's why. We, do it the we way celebrated we do it. this morning right here at New Spring right. Church, folks going forward, and I hope they did it at your campus. They did here, and isn't it encouraging to see people go public wow. in Jesus yep. and say, "Hey, I'm I'm here. I want yep. to live my life for it." Same here's, thing. The, here's the thing, though, Brad. Here, we, we understand that there are Christians in the world today who do not agree here, and that's okay. That's absolutely okay. But we have a strong conviction here, and we're gonna we're gonna and do can church. I, this can way. I just say it's good to have conviction. Right. You should have conviction. You Absolutely. should know why you believe what you believe. You should not just poor mouth everything. And Christians should not be the people say, oh, no, 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 I don't want to get involved in that right. discussion. You instead should be the person who can disagree and be and do it in a way that's not disagreeable. That's right. Right? And that's this right. is civility is something that has to happen more and more in our world. Amen. Mm -hmm. And so let us be found as folks that really dig into the word, yep. have a strong conviction and can stand on it, but also when we wrap our mind around something that is new and we go, oh, wow, the tug of war works and I get pulled one way or the other That's a little right. bit more. Let's put one more up there that is not controversial at all. Yeah, uh, women, women in, in ministry. ministry. You, wait a minute. That's not controversial? <laughs> lots of lots of awkward laughing. <laughs> now, I tell you what, I get a lot of questions about this. Yeah, um, you too. Yeah, me okay. too. Yeah, yeah. And, and the questions seem to be in two, two spheres. Okay. One sphere boom, is... Boom. Uh, you know, you guys have, your church has male, qualified male elders, qualified male campus pastors. Yeah. Um, and so, wow, you guys are so restrictive and oppressive toward women. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you guys are letting Mayor Knox teach on stage. And right there in black and white, 1 Timothy 2, it says, don't let women speak in whatever. Yeah. So, so what do you do with that, So Trev? you've got these two, yeah. you know, obviously a tug of war kind of an issue right here. Now, for me, growing up, I grew up in a very conservative 
church. Yeah, capital um, C conservative, yep. capital here, C complementarian. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Here's the thing that everybody's got to realize here. Every church that's complementarian, meaning you, you have some idea of male headship in, in your church, you have to be able to apply that passage in 1 Timothy 2. Right. Everybody has to apply it, and no church is saying out there, none are saying that women can't teach, period. Right. So Otherwise, you wouldn't have anybody in Sunday school classes. That's right. Because it wouldn't have enough Sunday school teachers. So everybody's <laughs> got to make a decision about how to apply that great, passage. Great, that passage So how did your church apply growing up? Well, growing up, what we did was we made a bunch of house rules. Uh-huh. So the women could teach beside the pulpit, but not behind it. Yeah, that's, y'all seen this? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's or like unwritten biblical rules. You can rules. preach in the same spot during vacation Bible school, ladies, but just as long as the, the furniture is removed. Yeah, we gotta move the furniture. Right. Because that makes it. In our church, uh, we had the, uh, you could teach a 17-year-old boy's Sunday school class, but not an 18-year-old man's Sunday school because class. Because there was a, an invisible line of manhood, right. and so ladies can teach children, right. but not men. So, See, this Everybody, is real, y'all. And, and yeah. listen, we're not knocking to the no, church. No, no, that's just, this the, is you've got to apply issue. this. This yeah. is a hard issue. But so what we're looking at, the whole council of scripture and saying, what do we got to do to look at all the passages that do show women engaging in ministry all throughout uh, scripture, teaching men uh, in leadership, you know. Well, I mean, it's no question God is unapologetically pro-female. Uh, absolutely. He is. I mean, from the beginning to the end, he is yeah, pro-female. Absolutely. And I, I, we just think that's a good idea, so yeah. we're going to be about that same kind of thing. It goes thing. right okay. back to the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. Got if we're going to celebrate unity. the beauty of who God has made us, then we've got to elevate women yes. specifically. Yes. So because the Trinity is such a big deal. Yes. Okay, yeah. so. So at any rate, you're looking at the whole, you're zooming out, and you've got to look at all of the pieces and, and fit those together. And we're looking at these passages of Scripture and saying, Paul can't possibly be meaning yeah. that women can't teach in any situation. So how can we look at all these passages? And ultimately, we are convinced, convicted, that these passages are about the ultimate teaching authority for our church. So the ultimate teaching authority of our church rests in our lead team or elders, uh, our campus pastors acting as, as elders on their campus have authority. No matter where the teaching is happening, they're ultimately responsible for that teaching. So our teaching team is submitting to, to that. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing too, Brad, is we're gonna use the word pastor uh, for everyone who shepherds people. And That's what the word pastor means. And most of us grew up in a single headship pastor That's right. you know, mindset. Yep. So the one pastor, which is a very westernized, Americanized yep. idea, but right. we do, that's not what you find in scripture. Yep. You see lots I, of shepherds. I think about my church growing up. My dad was the pastor. He was the only person in the church called preacher, pastor, only person that really taught a whole lot. Um, so he was the single elder. Right. Yeah. We have a church that has team teaching, team eldership, team ministry. Because we have a God who is a that's team right. God. That's right. All right. So that's that's where we're going to land. That's and, and I know many people, many people are absolutely, you know, like that's just downrooted. And I would ask you to pray about that and really consider this is a conviction, and we'd love for you to unite with us about that conviction, Yeah. right? Um, but it is not. We're not going to break fellowship over that. That's right. That's right. That's Great. Right. Awesome. Well done, Trev. And what about these opinions? Now, we're, we're running out of time, I think. Yeah, yeah. well, we, we've got, we've we got, got a just second. a few moments. But let's throw some opinions. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs. That's always a great get, one right there. People get okay. bent out of shape about dinosaurs, I mean, y'all. hang out with a middle schooler. Here's another one. Here's another one, Trev. What's, what's about this one right here? Right. Hey, alcohol. Now that okay. used to be a much more opinionated thing than it is. But anyway, it's yeah, an opinion. It's, 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 it's definitely an opinion. Now here's the thing about alcohol. 
there's a, a, a little bit of a different overlay with alcohol in the sense that the scripture in like Romans, is it 14, I believe, is talking to us about Christian freedom. Yes. Right? And so this idea that you may be convicted in a certain way about alcohol, and I may be convicted in a completely different way. And both of those are real can, convictions. Right, and we, but we can celebrate one another, and we can say, hey, listen, I am not going to uh, destroy my brother's you know, fellowship and his faith over something I eat and drink, but I also know I have freedom in Christ to do that. Very cool. Awesome. Well, here's another one, an opinion. What's All heaven right. like? That's, That's a good one. Now, I will say this. Some of these, um, like alcohol, maybe would touch conviction for you. Um, what is heaven like might touch conviction. And the reason I'm touching conviction here is there are Bible verses in there that talk about what heaven's like. And many times, you know, when you're reading about what heaven's like, you're getting a picture of what the pavement looks like because a person's got their face on the ground. <laughs> right. before. Because when you're in work. heaven, you're worshiping. Yeah. Right. But here's the deal. We are not going to know all the deep. There's no way to know exactly what heaven's going to be what be like, except that we know we're going to be with the Father who's made a place for yeah, us. Yeah, right? relationship with him and others. Pretty awesome. Beautiful. Pretty awesome. So there's others on here. I will say, you know, we've got... Um, God's design for sexuality. We have a whole we have a whole message coming up. Are you teaching gonna, this message? That's you right oh, there, buddy. Okay, all right. Y'all want to pray for me? God's, God's design, design for sexuality. For sexuality. Coming and up I in just want to say that's going to be a, a big deal. We're not going to put it on we're the not. board because we're going to tease you a little bit there. Um, yeah. But it's but it's absolutely absolutely important. It's definitely not we, an opinion. Here, here's what we know. It is not an opinion. Y'all yeah. come back and see. God, see God cares. Gonna, yeah. And so we're going to talk about that. Trevor, yeah. I just want to say in front of everybody, man, I'm so grateful for you. Yeah. You serve so well, beautifully. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Brad. Um, before, before we kind of close this part of the message down, I just any, any last thoughts? This is a big yeah. thing, man. And so yeah. people are walking out today on all of our campuses with a not a rake, but a shovel. So That's they right. go after the Lord and begin to That's right. form their lives. Well, I'll, I will say this. Foundations are not built with rakes. No. They're built with shovels and excavators. And here's, here's the thing that I would say. This, this whole thing that we're talking about today with your life and your doctrine, this is not about getting smarter, connecting with your intellect in some way. Now, your mind is obviously engaged in this, but I want to tell you what. This is about your closeness with our Heavenly Father. This is about intimacy with God. This is about recovering the biblical word knowing. When people talk about, I want to know about God, it's not just the recitation of facts and knowing all the doctrine. It's about intimacy with God. And when you are digging down deep with a shovel, you have an opportunity to enrich and enliven, really, your walk with Christ. I love that. I love that. And that's what we want for each one of you. And so I just want to say, as we kind of um, come to this space, if you've never actually put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's an absolute. Mm. It's a really big deal. Jesus came because he was Trinitarian before earth existed. He stepped in so that he might bring us back into relationship because you were created from a relational God to be a relational person. That's what this means. You were created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, that you might walk in relationship with God and walk in relationship with folks around you. That's the trajectory we're on as we look toward heaven. That's the aim. One day, many men, many women from all nationalities and ethnicities will be, I mean, elevating and worshiping God but the only people that will be there are folks that recognized in this life that they were sinners in need of a Savior. Mm. Think about that. The prerequisite 
for relationship with God is to be aware of your sinfulness. The only people Jesus can save are people that are sinners. So if you're a sinner today and you know it, there's good news. That's the only people Jesus saves. But if today you would like to put your confidence in Christ, I want you to know right where you are seated, God's been planning for this moment for your entire existence. And he's already given faith out right now in your seat, in your car, in your home, wherever you are found. And he is loving you right now and hoping you will respond to that knock on your heart. And if that's you, I just want to lead you. I want to lead you in a prayer right here, right now that says, yes, I want to put my confidence in Jesus Christ. Not, not in church tradition, not in upbringing, but in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And so I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes on all of our campuses right now. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, here's what we're doing. We are doing this because the Bible tells us that man looks at the outside. Man looks at the clothes we wear and the smiles on our face. But we know we can fake that. The Bible says that God looks at the heart. So when we close our eyes and bow our head, we're joining God and looking inside. And I want you right now, as you look inside, to ask God, God, do you sit on the throne of my life? Have I put my confidence in you? And if you hear him whisper, not yet, then I want you to invite him to take over today. Right now, God, I want to put you on the throne of my heart. I want to put you, Jesus, in the center of my life. I want to put my confidence in you. That's all you got to tell him. In the, there's no special prayer. Just do that in your own quiet, prayerful way, right where you sit. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this great encouragement. We thank you for this great tool as we look forward to digging into your word. We thank you that there are absolutes written in blood and there's convictions that are written in pen and there are opinions and questions. And Lord, I pray you would make us a people that would know where we should be absolutely rock solid because we believe in absolute truth. But we would also be a people that have nuance and a people that have grace and our, our, word, our words would be salted with kindness and we'd be quick to forgive and we'd know how to speak to people in social media and in our offices and in our college dorm rooms, God. And Lord, for the men and women today that you have saved, we are so grateful that you're still saving those folks. And I thank you that you saved me years ago. I'm grateful for that. We just are so honored, Christ, in what you are doing and what you have done. And so we even praise you now as we bring this prayer to a close. Jesus, we praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor. Thank you for saving. Yes, saving even now. Amen, amen. Let's praise the Lord right quick.